Hi, my name is Rhett Barden, and I'm the lead pastor of One Life Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today. At One Life Church, we exist to help you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. For more information on how you can be a part, please visit us online at olc.church. Enjoy the message. All right, good morning, One Life Church. Are you glad to be in church, everybody? It is so good to see you. Let me ask this question. How many of you love Jesus in this room, everybody? If you love Jesus, can you give him a good shout of praise? Woo. Well, today is going to be it's going to be an incredible day. And I just want to introduce myself. If you're new here, if you're our guest, my name is Rhett. I do have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at One Life Church. And I want you to know it is the joy of my life. And I am humbled. And I honestly believe there are a lot of great churches in this valley, in this state, nation, around the world. But I feel that God has chosen me to lead the greatest church on the planet that is called One Life Church. And I'm just so excited. I'm thankful. Yeah, I love you guys. Love you very much. Hey, before we jump into this series called Galatians, I want to do something we do every Sunday, and that is I want to look into the camera. I want to welcome our online church family. Come on, One Life Church, throw your hands together. Welcome our family who are joining us online today. We love you. You're our family. You are our family. Thank you for joining with us today. Hey, uh, just a couple of things. I want to remind you, everybody, coming up in two weeks are small groups. Everybody. Small groups. What are groups? What are small groups? They're groups that are small, everyone keeping it real, keeping it deep here at One Life Church. Uh, but what is it? Honestly, it's an opportunity for you to experience really what this series is all about. It's an opportunity for you to experience freedom. Listen, God did not design you to do life alone. He did not design me to do life alone. He designed us to do life in community, but just not any community, but life-giving community. And so small groups are something that we just don't do here. This is who we are. We are a church, not with small groups. We are a church of small groups. And there is a huge difference. And so I just want to encourage you, if you have never attended a small group, can I encourage you to make the summer semester the opportunity where you might try something you've never tried before. And here's the cool thing about the summer groups. It's only five weeks, everybody. It's the shortest semester that we do in the entire year. And I'm telling you, for those whose lives have been changed by small groups, can I get a good amen from all those who have enjoyed the small groups? So it's not just something that a pastor designed or created. This is something that is in God's word. And I'm actually going to show you what that looks like in a part of the message today. But I want to encourage you, some of you are small group leaders in this room. And I want to encourage you, if you have not yet done that, can you go ahead and just register your small groups? Go to olc.church, click on that button that says small groups. In fact, if you're even interested in seeing what small groups are all about, click on that button that says small groups and you'll learn everything you can about small groups there. Also want to remind you that today is the last day that we're offering small group leadership training for our summer semester. So if you've ever really wanted to know kind of like what's the vision of small groups, what does it look like to even be in a small group or to even lead a small group? This training in this class is for you. It happens at five o'clock this afternoon at our church office located on Eustick Road and Lake Road, right in the Caldwell area. And uh, it is a registration only class because we want to make sure we have everything that you need when you show up. So if you missed last week, cool, you can come today at five o'clock at the church office, but we would encourage you to please register. So go online to olc.church and 
either register your small group or register for small group leadership training. And I'm telling you, it has the opportunity to change your life. And let me just say this last thing about leadership training. As much as we would love for you to walk out of that class leading a small group, that's really not the goal of it. The goal of the leadership training is really just to connect you more with people in community. That's really the goal. And so if you walk out of it just meeting a new friend, that's all, this, all, it's, all it's about. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. All right, you guys, we're jumping into really part five of a part... Uh, it's part five of a six-part series, almost got tongue-twisted there, uh, that we're calling Galatians. And we are a message note-taking church, so I would like to encourage you, again, go to olc.church. If you haven't caught the, <laughs> the pattern here, everything is online. But go to olc.church, swipe down, click the button that says message notes. You'll have the opportunity to follow along with this message. And I do want to tell you up front, there are going to be a lot of scriptures today. Uh, today is going to be a lot of teaching, so I would encourage you to go to olc.church, click the message note button. It's going to pop up, and you've got the opportunity to kind of fill in the blank, to follow along. You can send yourself an email at the end of the message, or you can even save it as a PDF for the future. Because my job for message notes is this. It's not just to inspire you and encourage you on a Sunday morning. All of that is important, but I want to get God's word into your hand from Monday through Saturday when real life hits the fan. Can I get a good amen, somebody? So you can turn to God's word and see what God's word says about different situations. So we're doing this verse by verse study through the book of Galatians. And I love the book of Galatians for so many reasons. But I think one of the greatest reasons I love the book so much is that it really brings us back to the solid foundation of what Christianity really is all about. And that is God never intended for us to live in religion, rules, obligation, or legalism. No, the meaning of Christianity was one word, grace. It's the free gift that we receive through Jesus Christ. And because of what Christ does in us, then it gives us the liberty to live out love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, all the things that God has for us. In other words, God never wanted us in religion. He always wanted us in a relationship. And so the thing about Galatians is it's actually a letter that was written by a guy named Paul. Who's Paul? He's an apostle. Apostle. What's an apostle? An apostle is not the store down at the mall. No, that's Aeropostal, okay? No, apostle is a church planner. That's all he is. And he loved to plant churches, and he felt called by God to take the message of Jesus Christ to what the Bible refers to as Gentiles. Now, who are Gentiles? Gentiles are basically those, uh, many of us in this room are Gentiles, we're people who are non-Jews. So anybody that was a non-Jew was kind of classified as a Gentile in the Bible. And Paul loved God and loved the message of Jesus Christ and this grace gift that we received through Christ. And he wanted to take it outside of Israel. And he wanted to take it to the other people and the other nations around the world. And many of us sit in this room because of the letters that Paul wrote to the churches that he planted. In fact, that is what Galatians is. It is a letter. It was never intended as a book. It was simply a letter that he wrote to a pastor there that he gave over, you know, leadership over the church. And so what he was writing in this letter is very correctional. But out of the correction that he writes, there are a lot of biblical truths and a lot of wonderful principles that apply to our life that bring us back to center on really what it means to have a relationship with God. So here's the issue that he addresses, and this may blow some of your minds. It may even shock you. It may be a little bit embarrassing. 
But after Paul planted the church in the city of Galatia, in this church called Galatians, what happened was these Jewish Christians came along behind Paul and began to teach a false doctrine or another gospel. If you want to hear more about that message, I talked about that in week one of this series. But basically what they were trying to do is they were trying to introduce legalism. They're like, hey man, we're so grateful that you received Christ. Welcome to the family, but you got a major step that you need to take. In fact, every male that accepts Christ now has to get circumcised. Yeah, could you imagine the exodus in that church in that moment? They actually had debate whether or not they were going to add uh, circumcision or a surgery in their membership class. That's a little messed up, okay? The Bible's very, it's very interesting, some of the topics that it mentions. You ought to read it, okay? And so what's happening here is, for the Jewish Christians, no big deal, right? Because they were circumcised on the eighth day. They don't remember it. But for every male Gentile who wasn't, that's a big deal, Right? And that membership class was, honey, you get the kids, I'll get the car, I'm out of here. I don't want anything to do with this church. I'm out. And so this is the issue. And so Paul's like, this is ridiculous. So I want to bring things back to the truth. And this is what he writes in response to that. And we're picking up today in chapter five, and I'm just kind of calling this the final lap before the home stretch of chapter six next week. And if you missed any of the messages, I would encourage you to go to odlc.church and you can listen to the podcast under messages. But let's look at Galatians chapter five, verse one through nine. This is huge. This is what Christianity is all about. Look at this. It is for, everybody say that highlighted word out loud. It is for freedom. It's for freedom that Jesus Christ has set us free. Now, what I want you to notice are the two words after that. Notice that freedom is not just a one-time event. Like you and I, we have a part to play in this process. You and I have to make the choice to do what? To stand firm. In other words, we've got to learn the art of living in freedom every day. Why? We'll look at the rest of the verse. It says, because I don't want yourself to be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. I don't want you to go back to your old way of life. I don't want you to go back to this works-based dead religion. I don't want you to go back to trying to earn your righteousness before God because you can't. I want you to stay in freedom. So I need you to stand firm. And again, God never intended for you to experience religion. He always intended to have a personal, intimate relationship with you that is life-changing. Paul goes on to say, guys, mark my words. Like, this is important. Don't miss this. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, like if you're trying to earn God's approval by doing something in your flesh, here's the bottom line. And please don't miss this. This is huge. Christ Jesus, his death, his burial, his resurrection, the blood that he shed on the cross will be of no value to you at all. What's the saying? He's basically saying, hey, guys, if you go back to this old way of living, you're saying that Jesus Christ's blood is not good enough. You're saying that, oh, thanks, God, I appreciate that. But I, I feel like I need to do more in order for you to like me. And if that's your approach, Jesus Christ has no value to you at all. And he says it one more time. Look at this again, guys, I declare to every man, every woman, every boy, every child who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey all of the law. In fact, you who are trying to be justified by the law, you who are trying to earn your righteousness, living this what I call a 50% one gospel, 51%. In other words, if I just do enough good in this life, maybe it will outweigh the bad. And when I die, I'll just have that enough kindness in my life to where I'll earn salvation. 
No, no, no. If you're trying to be justified by the law, you, my friend, have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from what it truly means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You've fallen away from what it means to be a Christian. You've fallen away from this word right here, grace. What is grace? You've fallen away from the unmerited favor that you can not earn. It's a free gift. And his name is Jesus. You've fallen away from it. For in Christ Jesus, look at this, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision, nor the rule, nor the law, nor being kind enough, being good enough, praying enough, reading the Bible enough, going to church enough, serving enough, whatever, has any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that matters, the only thing that's important is faith. It's putting our hope, it's putting our trust, it's putting our confidence in who? In Christ Jesus It's putting our faith, expressing itself through love, through love, love. I want you to understand that God's word, the Bible, everything that Christ stood for is wrapped up in this one word. He was, he lived a life speaking about love. He was love. He is love. And it's all about love. Everything is about love. And so Paul loves the Galatians so much. He says this, he says, guys, you were running a good race. Like you were living in freedom. You were actually enjoying your relationship with God. Like it wasn't a duty. Like it was a delight. Like you loved him with all your heart and you were serving him and you were having fun and this whole thing. It was a joy. What does he say? He says, who cut in on you? Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth. In fact, this kind of persuasion, this kind of manipulation, this kind of distortion of the truth does not come from God who calls you. No, it comes from the pit of hell. His name is Satan. He's Lucifer, whatever name you want to throw at him. It didn't come from God. In fact, I love this little metaphor that he uses. And I'm telling you, man, the Galatian church would have understood this because it was like going to Texas Roadhouse after a Sunday morning, getting some of those hot yeast rolls, baby. Bread was a staple in their life. And so he says, hey, you know all those rolls you like? Well, just remember, a little bit of yeast can work through the whole batch of dough. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, something so small has the potential and the power to ruin something so great. In other words, if you're just going to apply a little bit of bad teaching in your life, a little bit of wrong teaching, it's going to take you from this freedom of relationship with God back into this religious slavery mindset and being afraid and fearful of God and having to work everything out in your flesh. So Paul continues and he reminds us here really what truly freedom is all about. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, One Life Church, you were called to be free. But don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. In other words, the Bible would use this word flesh. In some versions you would see, or translations, you would see the uh, two words, sinful nature. That's what he's referring to. Don't use your freedom to indulge your sinful nature, but rather don't serve yourself. No, no, no. Serve one another. How? Humbly in, here's that word again, love. For the entire law, the entire Bible is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Here it is. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because if you bite and devour each other, like if you're going to hurt people with your words and your actions, look at this, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So what's Paul basically saying? He's saying, guys, please don't forget the reason for freedom. The reason you receive freedom in Christ is not about you. The reason you receive freedom in Christ is about others. The whole purpose of the gospel of Jesus Christ wasn't just to save you. 
but it was so that you can love God and love people so that you can bring other people into heaven alongside you. And so he says, I'm going to say this. So walk by the spirit. And this is the big idea of today's message. Walk by the spirit, like make the choice to stand firm, living in freedom every day. Why? Because then you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature of the flesh. He says for the flesh, it desires what's contrary to the spirit and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh goes on to say, guys, these two are in conflict with each other so that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you are, here's the big idea today. And my hope for you today is that if you are led by the spirit of God, of Christ Jesus living inside of you, something you cannot earn, but simply receive, then you're not under the law. You're not under rules. You're not under regulations. You're not under legalism. Why? Because you're living in a relationship with God and God's son. And this is, this is God's desire for you. This is God's desire for me. In fact, this is the whole beauty of Christianity is that God wants us to experience freedom in our minds, in our physical body, in our emotions, in everything that we are. Why? Because it is for freedom that Jesus Christ has set us free. Can I get a good amen, somebody? It is for freedom. And this is what chapter five is all about. And so Paul goes on to, and we're about to read this. He goes, but I got some bad news and I got some good news. And I don't know if anybody's ever said that to you, but I'm always kind of, can you just go ahead and give me the bad news first? Cause then I can really enjoy the good news. And so he goes on to teach us that the bad news is the flesh living in your sinful nature. Well, it produces death in your life. But the good news is that the spirit living according to that, walking in this kind of freedom, it produces life. Now here's the reality. You're either living in one or the other. Like you're either living in your sinful nature or you're being led by the spirit of God. So what are the differences? Well, he tells us, look at this 13 through 21, the acts of the flesh or the sinful nature are obvious sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. And we don't use that word today, really debauchery, but what does that mean? It basically means the indulgence of bodily pleasures, idolatry, in other words, anything that takes precedent over God, work, school, money, uh, relationships, you know, whatever that might be, anything that takes precedent over God is, would be considered an, an idol. Witchcraft, fortune telling, astrology, any form of sorcery or magic potions or pills, those kind of things, hatred, discord, fighting with people, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. In fact, Paul says, I could go on and I could go on and I could go on. Don't worry about the screen. I know it's messed up right now, but it'll get there. Paul is saying that this is not an exhaustive list. Like I could go on and on and talk about all many, all these different kinds of sins, but I'm saying, I warn you, look at the rest of the verse. I warn you as I did before that those who are actively living like this, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. You will not inherit God's best for your life today. You will not inherit God's best for your life in eternity. Now, I want you to understand something that Paul is not saying that anyone who's committed a sin won't inherit heaven. That's not what he's saying. In fact, if that were the truth, none of us, including myself, would ever make it. Let me simply remind you of a couple of verses. Remember, Romans 3.23 tells us that everyone has sinned. Like every one of us, including the person who's speaking to you today, I have sinned. We've all fallen short of God's glorious standard. 
So then what is Paul trying to tell us in Galatians? He's basically saying, hey guys, if you are actively living in your sinful nature, in other words, if you're not actively engaging God in the process of your life every day, like if you're not walking close, intimately in a personal, authentic relationship with God, but you're fulfilling your desires, me, myself, and I consistently on a consistent basis, and you're choosing yourself over Christ, then the result is death. Really? Yeah, Romans 6, 23. Listen, the wages of sin, the payment for sin is what? It's death. But thank God the verse doesn't stop there. Come on, somebody. The free gift of God. You cannot earn it. It is simply a gift that you receive by faith in who? The Son of God, Jesus Christ. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. And in case you haven't heard this good news, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, what did he do? He gave, he gave, God gave who? His one and only son, Jesus Christ, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is great news. It means if you've done one sin or you've done all of the sins, Jesus Christ has paid for them all. Aren't you thankful? Amen. Woo. If you can't tell, I'm a little bit fired up for what God's done for us through his son, Jesus. It's life-changing to bring freedom in every area of your life. Back to chapter five. Again, bad news. Flesh produces death. Good news. Spirit of God produces life. What does it produce? Look at this. Galatians 5, 22 through 26. The fruit of the spirit is, I love it. It's love. Now time out for a second. This word love right here. It isn't like, oh, I love him. She's so cute. Oh, no, that's not the word. Okay. The word here is agape. What is agape? It is unconditional love from God for humanity. And I need you to understand something. That when you come into a relationship with God, not only do you receive his unconditional love, but the spirit of Christ lives within you. And now he gives you the ability to do something you cannot do apart from him. And that is to love unconditionally humanity. You following this? goes on, your life will produce this kind of love, agape love. Your life will produce joy. Your life will produce peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And by the way, against such things, there is no law. There is no rule. There is no regulation. There is no legalism against this kind of life. Why? Look at the rest of the verse. Because those who belong to Christ Jesus, man, they've made a choice. To stand firm in living in freedom every day. How? By living the crucified life. In fact, I talked specifically about living the crucified life in week two in detail. Said it was a secret to living in freedom every day. So those who belong to Christ Jesus, we've made this choice to crucify our flesh with its passions and desires. So since we live by the Spirit, since One Life Church lives by the Spirit, then let us make the choice to continually, every day, make the choice to keep in step with the spirit of God. So here's the question. All of that to get us to this question is how do we live this life in the spirit? In other words, how do we live in freedom from our sinful nature, from the past, the pain, the guilt, and the shame? How do we live from that slavery mindset? And how do we live in this freedom of the spirit of God? How do we live free from our sinful nature? Well, if you're taking notes, write this down. Number one, guys, you've got to admit your need and you've got to ask God for help. You've got to get honest. You've got to ask or admit your need. And you've got to 
ask God for help. In other words, what am I saying? You've got to involve God in the process of your life. Now, this is the first thing that we all know we should do, but let's be honest, it's typically the last thing that we do, isn't it? See, many of us, if we're honest, we're trying to deal with our issues on our own. We're trying to deal with lust on our own. We're trying to deal with pornography on our own. We're trying to deal with anger on our own. We're trying to deal with pride on our own. We're trying to deal with selfish ambition, anger, you name it, whatever it is. We're trying to do all these things on our own. And we think somehow, like one day, we're just going to wake up on the other side of the issue with enough willpower to change. That's not the case. And so what do we do? We end up suppressing them. We push them down so far. We think if we can just kind of mentally forget about it, we'll get better. But the reality is we only get worse. In fact, medical science has even proven it. Psychologists out of Harvard. Did y'all hear me? Harvard. The Harvard School of Public Health said that your risk of dying from heart diseases increases when you suppress your issues, when you suppress your emotions. And God's word speaks to this. I am so thankful for God's word. That's just, this is why David said this in Psalm 32, three through five. Look at this. He says, guys, when I kept it all inside, like when I tried to handle all my issues on my own and I did not ask God for help at all, look at what happens. My bones, it turned to powder. My words, they became down on groans. In fact, the pressure never let up. And some of you, if you were honest, you're like, this is the story of my life. Like, this is what I'm experiencing right now. In fact, whatever life I thought I had, it's gone. And I want you to know today, if that's you today, there is hope. His name is Jesus. And I want to encourage you to take a next step and to do what David did. Look at this. David said, then I let it all out. He said, God, I admit, I admit my issues. God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I need your help. Look at what happened. I'll make a clean breast of my failures to God. Check this out. Suddenly, suddenly the pressure was gone. Anxiety, stress, chaos, the chaos of the mind, fear. What happened? It began to come under the authority of God's word. And what happened? He began to experience freedom. How? He admitted his need for help and he asked God to help him. It's just God's word trying to help somebody live a life in the spirit of God, to be free from your sinful nature, to live in freedom every day. We've got to ask God for help. We've got to get real and honest and admit our need. Number two, write this down. Guys, we've got to stop doing life alone. And we've got to connect in. Look at this life-giving community, life-giving community. In other words, we not only need to involve God in the process. Now it's time for us to involve people into the process. You need to understand something. I need community. You need community. Every single one of us, we all need community. Well, Rhett, that's just your opinion. Well, is it? Let's look at what God's word says. Look at Galatians chapter two, verse 18. Don't take my word. The very first issue that God addressed for humanity was this. And the Lord God said, not Rhett, not a pastor, not a church. No, God said, What did he say? It is not good for man, for woman, for boy or for girl. It is not good that you should be, what's the word? Alone. It's not good that you should be alone. 
And I just need you to understand that my friends, that if you want to experience freedom, you can't do life alone. Well, well, Rhett, you know, I mean, I appreciate that. I mean, thanks for showing me what God said, but like the people are my problem. Like some of you may be thinking like, you know, if it wasn't for people, like I could actually live in a little bit of freedom in my life. You know, I get that. I understand that. Why? Because we're human, right? So the challenge is to buy into this. We have to get past that excuse. And so I'll tell people like this, you know, relationships are a lot like a box of chocolates to quote the great philosopher Forrest Gump, Right. <laughs> You just never know what you're going to get. Some are going to be good. Some are going to be bad. In fact, I like to say it this way. Relationships are a lot like a restaurant. You have an experience with a great restaurant. What are you going to do? You're going to tell everybody about that restaurant. You are. Man, you got to try this steak over here. Woo, it is so good. You're going to tell everybody about it. But the truth is, just like there are great restaurants, there are also some really bad restaurants. Am I the only one that have experienced them here in the valley? And so here's the thing about bad restaurants. When I've chosen to eat at a bad restaurant, you know what it hadn't done? It hadn't affected how I eat. I still eat. In fact, you can look at me and see I'm a shape. I'm a little round. I'm not in the shape I want to be, right? But I'm still in shape. Confession's good for the soul, bad for the reputation. What am I saying? Just because I've eaten at a bad restaurant doesn't keep me from eating. What do I do? I just choose a new restaurant. <laughs> I just keep trying to find the great ones that are out there because they are out there, a.k.a. Texas Roadhouse. Come on, come on. Amen. If you don't like it, I don't care. I love it. It's great. <laughs> now you find one that brings you life is what you do. When it comes to community, God says this in Hebrews 10.25, let us not neglect our meeting together. Don't neglect small groups. Don't neglect community, as some people do. But encourage one another, especially now. Don't miss this last sentence. Especially now that the day of his, referring to Jesus Christ, especially now that the day of Jesus' return is drawing near. And this message is not about revelation or Christ's return, but I need you to understand something. As far as I'm concerned, what I've read, in my humble opinion, from cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation. God has given us signs in the heavens and signs on the earth to prophesy to Jesus Christ's return of when the season is going to be there. And from what I can tell, everything's already been fulfilled or is currently being fulfilled before Jesus Christ comes. He's coming soon, y'all. He's real. He's living. He's alive. Well, why has he waited this long, Rhett? Because... God says he is patient. He is not willing that any man should die apart from him. He wants to give you and I and the world every opportunity he possibly can before he returns. Well, how does he do that? You're at small groups, community. That's why we can't neglect meeting together. Not only does life change happen for us, life change happens for other people. My friend, small groups aren't something we do. It is who we are. I want to encourage you, please. If you're doing life alone, please stop. Please stop. Get in a small group. Hey, small group leaders, register your small group. Create opportunities that we can meet together and encourage one another before Christ returns. Because he's going to use you. I'm telling you, he's going to use you opening your home or going to a park or whatever it might look like. Doesn't really matter what you do. But he's going to use you to love somebody 
in such a way that they're going to experience the hope and the love of God. And because of your investment, somebody's going to experience eternity. As simple as leading a small group. This is why this is important. In fact, it goes a little bit further than that, not just for heaven, but look at what it does for us on earth. James 5, 16 through 18. And you've heard me mention this verse before. But make this your common practice. Make what my common practice? Small groups. Really? Yeah, look, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Notice I highlighted the words each other, each other. So that you can do what? So that you can live together whole and healed. Now, I just need you to understand something about this verse is that this really just shows us that the process for healing in our life The process is people. Now, let me be very clear. God is the only one who can forgive sin. And he only forgives sin through Jesus Christ and accepting him and believing him as the son of God. God Almighty is the only one who can heal somebody. But his process to minister healing to people, according to this verse in James 5, 16, is small groups, is people. And it's not just anybody, okay? Not everybody needs to know your issues, And by the way, if you haven't come here long enough to hear me say, I got issues. Some of y'all, you got some issues. All God's children got some issues, y'all. And if you're here today and you don't think you got an issue, that is your issue. I love you. But we all got issues. Not everybody needs to know what we're dealing with, but somebody needs to know. And this is saying, it said, hey, you need to get honest, get real, get transparent with another brother or another sister who has your back and you have their back. And you need to say, hey, I I need some help. And when you open up to a brother or sister who loves God, who isn't perfect, but also understands the pain, the hurt, the struggle and that reality, when they begin to pray for you, this is what happens. A miracle takes place. Something you cannot explain, you only can experience. If you're trying to sit here in this seat today and figure it out in your head, forget it. It's not going to work. But if you begin to take the step and put yourself in an environment to build relationships and to put yourself and to make yourself vulnerable and to open up just to, to a few people, I'm telling you, when they pray for you, a miracle from God, from heaven, begins to take place and take residence in your heart and in your soul. And that is, my friend, health, wholeness, and healing by the power and authority of Jesus Christ. This is good preaching. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Red. I'm even fired up, y'all. This, I, I love God. I love his word because I'm not just teaching you something I haven't experienced. Everything I'm sharing today are things that have impacted my life in such a powerful way. And I, I want this for you so bad. In fact, one of the biggest struggles that pastors have or people in my profession is I'm trying to teach you something that you can only experience. You have to experience it. You got to go to the restaurant, order the steak and those bread rolls with butter and potatoes and stuff, you know, carve it up, give you a reason to go to the gym on Monday, right? (laughs) Trying to get you to experience it. It's amazing. It's so good. When it comes to living by the spirit, my friends, when it comes to turning from our hurt, our pain, our guilt, and our shame from our sinful nature, we've got to admit our need. Ask God for help. We've got to stop doing life alone and we need to connect in community. Number three, write this down. Now we need to accept God's word and we need to begin to apply it to our life. We need to accept God's word and apply it to our life. 
Many of us, we read the Bible, but just because we read the Bible doesn't necessarily mean we accept it as the authority in very word of God that it is the truth that sets us free. And there's a difference. And I need you to accept its authority. Paul told this to the church in Thessalonica, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. He said, guys, we thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it, not as some good teaching, not as some, oh, that's some good thoughts to encourage me. No, 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 no. You didn't accept it as words of men, but actually as it is, the very breath and word of God from heaven. It's the word of God. But you can't just accept it. You've also got to apply it. James 1, through 25, or excuse me, 25. But whoever makes the choice, look at this, whoever decides to live in freedom every day by looking intently into the perfect law, into God's word, that does what? God's word does what? It gives freedom. And that person, man or woman, continues living it out, not forgetting what they've heard on a Sunday morning, but actually take those message notes throughout the week and apply it to their life. When they do it, they will be blessed in what they do. My friends, I need you to hear this. God Almighty from heaven, he wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. That's, that's hard for some of you to understand and to take in. But you need to understand that God wants you to have more than you need. Why? Because if you just have what you need, you're only going to be able to help yourself. But if you have more than you need, then you can make a difference in somebody else's life. God wants you to be blessed. But here's the question or here's the thought is that the reality is many of us are not experiencing God's best or blessing in our life. And we ask ourselves, why? I mean, I read God's word, but why? Well, I would ask this question. Are you applying it to your life? What's application? Like, are you just simply living it out? Are you doing what God's word speaks? Because you have to take a step. And when you take a step, there is a response from God. He's waiting on you. I like to say it this way. It's like knowledge and wisdom. There's a difference. Some people think knowledge and wisdom are the same, but they're not. Knowledge is knowing. Wisdom is applying what you know. Like I probably know that I shouldn't eat the whole box of Krispy Kreme donuts (laughs) in order to lose weight. I should also probably know that I need to be in the gym and eat a little bit better if I'm going to lose weight. I can have that knowledge all day, but I'm not going to lose weight unless I apply wisdom, which says, put down the Krispy Kremes, right? Right? Go to the gym and operate the hardest piece of equipment, which is the front door. Get your butt in there. Start doing some cardio, right? Wisdom is applying the truth. Knowledge is like, I know I should go to church. Wisdom says, you know what? Not only should I go, but I need to be the church. Knowledge is this consumer-based mentality. Wisdom is a contributor mentality. Wisdom is saying, you know what, God? You called me to be in community. I'm not going to do life alone anymore. If I want your best, I want to be blessed. You call me to not live for myself anymore. And in fact, in doing that, it goes against what culture tells me to do. But if I do that, and it doesn't make sense in my mind, but if I do that, Lord, I know there's blessing on the other end. And even if it's for selfish reasons, God, I'm going to take a step just to see if Pastor was right and the word was right. 
I'm going to get in a small group. In fact, I'm going to go a step further. And I'm not just going to come to church. I actually want to be the church. I want to apply this to my life because I want to live in freedom every day. And I want to experience God's best. I want to make a difference in my life. I'm going to get on the dream team. I don't want to just come and take up a seat every Sunday and just go, oh, thank you, Pastor. That was a great message. Will you just inspire me on another Sunday? Come on, feed me again. No, no. We admit our need for God. We ask him for help. We involve other people in the process. But at some point, we've got to involve God's word, but we've got to take the step and apply it to our life. got to make a difference. Get in a small group. Get on the dream team. Do what God's created us to do. God has created you with passions and desires uniquely designed for you. He's created you on purpose for a purpose. And that purpose wasn't to suck air, pay taxes, and die and make it through another year. No. It's to make a difference with your life. Why is all this important? Look at John 8, 31 through 32. Jesus Christ himself said to those Jews who believed in him, guys, if you abide in my word, if you'll stand firm, you'll remain in me. You are my disciples. Like we're in relationship together indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Woo, this is good. Freedom comes from abiding in God's word and applying it to your life. Freedom comes when you involve people in the process. Freedom comes when you admit your need and ask God for help. This is when freedom comes. This is how we live a life in the spirit of God and freedom every day. Here's the last one. It has the power to change everything. If you only do this one, and that is number four, write this down. Give God permission to access all of you. Give God permission access, not just a part of you, but all of you, all the junk, all the issues, all the places you're trying to hide. He knows it's there. Just give him access. Why could God want you to experience freedom? He doesn't want you to be slave to those things that you think are hidden any longer. But here's the beauty and the nature of God. God's a gentleman. God is loving. In other words, God will not force freedom upon anybody. It's our choice. That's what to receive what he's done for us to live it out. That's what love is, by the way. Love is a choice. God never forces us to love him. He's always given us a choice. Why? Because that is what love is. It's important to understand. We see this beautiful truth and principle that God speaks to us in Revelation 3.20. This is what God's doing right now in this moment. Jesus and Christ himself he said, hey guys, here I am. I stand at the door and I knock. I'm a gentleman. I'm not gonna force my love. I'm not gonna force my freedom. I just stand door of your heart today. And if anyone hears my voice and does what? Opens the door. Anyone who gives God permission to enter and to have access to all of them. Look at the beauty. Jesus Christ himself will come in. He'll eat with that person. And he says, they with me. In other words, We'll do life together. It'll be beautiful. 
You'll experience freedom and fulfillment in every area of your life. Now your situations outwardly may not change, but inwardly they're gonna change. And I'm telling you, it's a miracle. So how, how does that, how do I even do that? What does that look like? Well, Peter would have told you this out of Acts 2, 38 through 39. Peter said to them, hey guys, change your hearts. Another translation may say repent. In other words, turn direction, course correct. Just change the direction you were headed. Give God access into all your lives. Be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. For when you make this choice, this is when the miracle happens. You ready for it? And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Why is this gift important? Because it's through the Holy Spirit that we receive the power to live in freedom every day. Back to Galatians 5. When the Holy Spirit comes in your life, your life begins to produce love. As you experience it, then you can give it. Why? To change the world. Not only love, joy, (laughs) peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Just imagine for a moment what your family would look like, what your marriage would look like, your home, your relationships. What would it look like, man, if like your life just began to produce this love? What would it look like in the world today if the Christians of One Life Church and in this valley and around the world just begin to produce and live in the spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. I'll tell you what would happen. We'd have a changed world today. It's our choice to live by the spirit. Well, Pastor Ed, you just don't know what I've done, man. This is not for me. Well, God's word said it is for you. Acts 2, look at this. This promise is for you. It's for your children. In fact, it's for all who are far away. It's for everyone the Lord our God calls to himself. And he's calling you today. He's knocking at your heart's door. And this is what he's saying. I'll read this first. Are you tired? This is what Jesus is saying to some of your hearts today as he's standing knocking. Are you tired? Are you worn out? from the physical pain, emotional pain, the stress, the anxiety, the fear of this world that living in the flesh causes. Are you tired? Are you burnt out on religion trying to earn this thing on your own? Are you sick and tired of being tired? And honestly, if we're telling the truth, that's how many of us feel today. But I got some good news for you. If that's you, Jesus says this today, come to me. And look at the promise. Get away with me. Give me permission to enter and access and you'll recover your life. And this is why when it comes to living in freedom every day that I want you to choose Christ. Why? Because freedom is found only in Jesus Christ. My friends, freedom in your mind, in your emotions, in your health is found in the one and only Savior of the world, the Son of God, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who was and is and is to come, the returning King, our Savior. Freedom comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Will you bow your head and close your eyes? We'll be here just another few minutes. I wanna pray, God, today, we just acknowledge the fact that your power and your presence is here and we say thank you. 
God, as a church collectively, we, we admit the fact that we need you. We're asking you, God, for help. God, give us the wisdom, not just the knowledge, that we begin to apply the fact that we need to connect in community, that we, <laughs> no more excuses, that we begin to do life with others. And may we not only just hear your words, God, but may we apply your words to our life. So God, we give you access. Even if we've been following you for years, we continue today, make the statement and the prayer from our heart that we give you access and permission to enter. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today and you feel like God is distant, maybe you feel the weight of your pain, your shame, your guilt. I just want you to know that God is close. He's here in this moment. In fact, he's he's knocking at your heart's door. If you're one heartfelt prayer away from giving him permission to access all of you. So I'm not gonna call you down front. I'm not gonna embarrass you in any way, but if you're here today and you'd like to begin a relationship with God and find this freedom of living life in the spirit by simply receiving God's free gift of Jesus Christ. If that's you, would you be so bold to raise your hand all across this room? Nobody's looking around. It's just between you and the Lord. I'd love to know who you are. I pray for you. God bless you. God bless you. Anybody else? It's the greatest decision of your life. It's the most significant moment of your life is today, right now. Anybody else? You can put your hands down. Can I encourage you to pray a simple prayer like this and just mean it from with all your heart. Say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you for wanting to be in a relationship with me. Thank you for Jesus. I believe Jesus is the son of God. I believe you died to pay for my sin. Forgive me. Change me. Come live on the inside of me. Jesus, I receive what you've done for me today. I declare you as my Lord and my Savior. I put my faith and trust in you. I give you my life. I give you everything. I pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you to make a difference in my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, can we throw our hands together? There were some people who made decisions. Come on, let's celebrate with him.